Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul. We uncover many areas of love, sex, and relationships. And just when you think there is no more areas to discuss, boom, we're here with another one. Uh, today, Dr. Lori, we will be talking about demystifying asexuality, which I would imagine most people kind of go, what exactly does that mean to me? Exactly. And, and I think this is why we have to talk about it, because... It, there's a lot of confusion around it. You mean, mm. So it's like, oh, you mean you have no desire for sex? Oh, you mean you've lost desire for sex? Oh, you mean you've chosen to be celibate? Oh, like, so it, it could mean different things for different people. So this is why I want to look at some of the research, look at what people say it is, look at some of the, um, there's a, a whole lot of, uh, like a couple of really important sites that, that are there for people who consider themselves asexuality. I'm going to talk about whether it's a sexual orientation so that's another theory that's that's a hypothesis that's put out there that it is an orientation um, you know so we'll, we'll have to look at that and I think this is an important discussion because anything with sex and relationships always involves a partner so there there might be some out there that they don't feel this way but they're trying to find a better way to understand their partner possibly I mean yes you can have asexuals who are together with sexuals and does that also mean they never have relationships so we have to look at that too because that isn't true so i, I really want to kind of you know pick it apart unpack this this uh mm -hmm. this topic a little bit so we have at least a better understanding of what it is and if people identify with it then we'll be able to direct them to the right places and they shouldn't feel so alone well one of the things about defining anything in life is the fear of defining it wrong right like making a, a a prognosis about yourself that this is what's this is what i'm experiencing but you self-diagnose wrong and that's why mm. this sort of information is so important because you know the more layers you have or the more options of professionals you can speak to the more likely you'll be able to get the proper definition and then respond to it accordingly mm. however is required to make everything wonderful in the world I think you're right, and in part, you know, um, humans tend to want to uh, uh, label things, right? So it, it's hard to not know. Even if you're sick with something and you don't know what it is, getting a final diagnosis, like, oh, okay, now I have some, you know, now there's a word for it. So I'm mm -hmm. feeling like somehow connected. Now I could tackle it the proper way or whatever I need to do, but... Uh, absolutely. I mean, oftentimes people mislabel themselves or they, th you know, I, I see this all the time in my practice where people come in saying, I have this, you know, I'm a premature ejaculator. And then I ask them, you know, how long they last. And they're like, I don't know, five minutes, but I want to last a half an hour. I said, well, you're, not, <laughs> you're sorry, but you don't fit in the category of premature ejaculation. Then I go on to educate them about it. And they're like, ah, okay. So I want to last longer. All right. We can look at things that you could do to last longer, but don't diagnose yourself with a condition that uh, isn't actually there. 
Well, and the thing about that is, I think most people at some point in their life, they, they diagnose themselves with something, and then they get a level of anxiety or worry about this diagnosis, and they're worried about whether it's right or whether it's wrong. And when you actually know the truth about yourself, whether it's sexual, health, family, friends, whatever, when you actually know the truth, there's comfort in that because then you have your eyes wide open to say, okay, this is where I'm at and this is where I want to go or this Mm -hmm. is how I want to feel. And you can actually start building on it instead of living in that sort of quiet fear of the unknown. And that's it. It's the quiet fear. And often that quiet fear leads to intense anxiety over time and a a catastrophizing of the situation, right? And Mm -hmm. instead of so, and people wait a long time to seek out help because in the area of sexuality, of course, it's a a little more uh, uncomfortable, awkward. They don't know where to turn to. They can't talk to friends about it. They don't want to talk to their doctor about it. So they carry it carry it with them for sometimes quite a long time and sometimes very much needlessly. So, yes. We're going to get you some of the uh, research on this in a few moments. And in Sex in the News, we'll find out why it's hard, so hard, for men (laughs) to say no to sex. That is the deep tease. Uh, First, we get to your questions in the mailbox. Love, sex, relationships, it can get complicated. We all have questions. Dr. Lori helps with the answers you need. Uh, we love your uh, submissions, whether they're comments or questions. You can submit them. Love, sex, relationships. Go to drlori.com. We start with this one, and I think this is actually a really good question that many people probably have found themselves asking at some point in their life. Dr. Lori, I can't help but notice in some porn... Women will give head to a man without a condom, but the man will be wearing a condom during penetration. What's up with that? Does this mean that the man or woman did not provide an STD test? Or does this stuff mean uh, some of one's STD came back positive for penetration stuff, but not for BJ stuff? (laughs) Now, I cannot speak for the porn industry. I don't work in it. So, uh, you know, I can only tell you the things I've heard from, uh, you know, we've interviewed over the years, uh, porn producers and, and porn stars and what, and all of that. It's a very, like for the produced stuff, you know, the stuff that you see that's, that's filmed and produced and, and, uh, they have very stringent, as far as I know, very stringent rules about STI testing, right? So before any, a production, everybody needs to be tested and this has to happen on a regular basis. You can't test positive and then do do something. So if you look at maybe the, um, maybe they evaluate the risk level. So there's far more risk through penetration of catching an STI than say giving a man uh, oral sex and he doesn't ejaculate in the mouth is safer than penetration. So maybe there's a risk assessment there in terms of what's safe, what's not safe, because, you know, we're talking about exchange of bodily fluids. So if there's no exchange of bodily fluids, it's a lot safer. Now that doesn't protect you against, let's say, herpes or, you know, or, you know, catching herpes on your mouth because the, but very doubtful that anyone in the porn industry is going to put a penis in their mouth that has a sore on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I mean? Um, and, and that's why, I guess, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you have anything to, 
I mean, <laughs> well, hypotheses wanna, on this. I don't want to jump here in, here in here as a porn expert or anything, but as you were speaking, I did have the thought that the one thing that has changed in porn over the years is there are production companies and then there are, are, are quote-unquote amateurs because like right. everything else in the world, everyone has a camera now and you can go to Walmart and buy a camera that you could shoot a movie on. Um, maybe, again, i just thinking, maybe it's a case where it's a couple where they're, they're in a relationship and, uh, you know, so they, they feel good on, on sharing bodily fluids, but they just don't want to get pregnant and that's why they're wearing a condom. I don't know. I mean, listen, Is that that's overly, a pot- overly simplistic? Uh, no, I, I think it depends what you're looking at. Are you looking at, are we looking at product, productions, uh, like, you know, uh, amateurs, or yeah. are we looking at the the produced porn? They're very, very, very different um, areas because the for the amateur porn, they know like they're taking care of the themselves uh, hopefully right and mm-hmm. they know who their they know who their partners are they're not randos like actors saying okay you know get into get into your role guys you know so uh yeah i, I would imagine that the answer would be quite uh, maybe very different but i certainly do know that th- the testing is quite stringent yes. on porn sets there's no question about that in my mind I know a lot of movie productions and anything in the media usually is pretty heavily researched as well. So you could maybe make an argument that someone has said, look, in order to be real, a lot of couples that use condoms, we want to display what they would see in their own life. So, you know, while the condom does provide protection and all that stuff, they might say having a condom on in that situation for the viewer makes it seem more like what's happening in their life. Well, it would also just be more responsible. Well, that's that too. Right? Like we want to be able to show that sex involves safety as well. And especially when you think about youth, unfortunately, uh, getting a lot of their education through porn, like at least if they see regularly condom use, then that'll click in their brains as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one more here from the mailbag. Dr. Lori, I'm an 18-year-old female and my boyfriend is 19. We were both virgins until about a week ago, and before dating, he had never touched a woman below the belt. Based on stories that friends had told me about their own sexual experiences, I had very low expectations for my boyfriend, but even those weren't low enough. His knowledge of the female anatomy is functionally zero. From my own solo experiences, I know I can orgasm pretty easily with clitoral simulation. He doesn't even know what the clitoris is, let alone where it is. I could tell after our first time that he hadn't exactly, uh, it hadn't actually gone as he had envisioned after all. I did effortlessly uh, come just from him putting it in, which is what I think he expected. How do I find him, how do I help him improve sexually without bruising his ego first of all there is absolutely no shame in not knowing something right yeah you don't don't know you don't know you don't know what you don't know you you know most people don't get adequate sexuality in education and when they do they certainly don't learn about pleasure or how to pleasure their partner that is not something you're going to learn in uh, as a senior in high school that's just unfortunately especially if you're in the states or different parts of the world you are not going to they do not talk 
about pleasure. And, and just as a side note, one of our upcoming episodes will be on uh, pleasure, actually. Uh, so listen, everybody has to learn somewhere. And this is where uh, sexual communication is so important. So you need to talk about sex. You need to look at this as a let's say, a a road of discovery, uh, an adventure that we're both going on in terms of discovering each other's bodies. What does it look like? Like, uh, take a bloody flashlight and have a good look, you know? And (laughs) and really, like, if this is a good relationship, well, why not? Like, this is, you know... uh, I get what you're saying. But she's responsible to give him the roadmap to her body, right? Uh, But... She has to teach him how to touch her and vice versa. Like he has to be able to say, oh, this feels good. No, this doesn't feel good. Whatever, whatever it is. So I think it's important. Like one of the things you could do is just take turns exploring each other's body. And remember, there is no one on earth who is just born a great lover. We become great lovers. So um, get some sexual health information, you know, like Get the proper information together, read books together, visit sexuality education sites, not porn sites, but sexuality education sites, and just, you know, get on this road and and look at it as, wow, we're on this, how lucky are we that we feel comfortable and taking this journey together and we're going to be, we're going to become great in bed together, right? So. I like her desire to have more information and help in a nice, soft, sensual way and not bruise his ego. I mean, I think I'm, I'm encouraged by her, uh, her grounding in reality to be able to say, hey, this is something we need to work on and how do I do it in a way that will make my partner uh, not feel negative but feel excited about the route we're going on. Yeah, you don't want to start off saying, wow, what you did sucked or you didn't, you know, you have no idea what you're doing. It's more about, hey, let, let, this is going to be exciting. We get to learn about each other's bodies. We get to learn about sex together. Let's take this journey together. I'm going to show you, you know, it's like I show you mine, you show me yours. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and like, and do it that way. Fascinating stuff. We love your uh, comments. We love your questions uh, or anything you want to send us. Just go to uh, drlaurie.com. Sex, love, relationships, you just never know. You might be featured on the next edition of Passion. Passion for learning, life, and love. Coming up on Sex in the News, why it's hard for men to say no to sex. (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, we'll get you the answer. Uh, first, though, demystifying asexuality, Dr. Laurie. <laughs> yes, and, and let's look a little bit at uh, definitions of, of what it is. So most people believe asexuality is not a choice versus something like uh, celibacy, which celibacy is a choice, right? For, for most, anyway. We're not talking about involuntary celibacy. We're talking about celibacy as a choice. So if you take, it, it's like, if it's a sexual orientation, it's the same as being straight or gay or, or bisexual. The official definition is someone who does not experience sexual attraction. So we're not talking about being, you know, too tired for sex or having lost your, your sexual desire, so that, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, it also doesn't 
mean you don't masturbate? Because this is a question a lot of people ask, right? It's like, okay, so you have no sexual attraction. It's not about, um, it's not about the the drive or uh, the libido, or although sometimes that goes together. But so people who are asexuals can still have somewhat of a, of a sex drive, but it doesn't translate into wanting to have sex with somebody, right? With with a person. So. Um, you, they can also have some level of attraction, but not sexually speaking. So they might say, oh, oh I, I'm attracted to this human, but I like, I want to be, I want to be close to this person, but that I don't want to have sex with this person. So I know. Right. It's, and this is where it gets, uh, you know, kind of a little bit, uh, a little bit confusing, you know, uh, another, you know, another, um, specialist in this area said to me the the word asexual is actually changing uh to mean almost the same thing as chosen celibacy so some people argue that if you've had poor experiences or sexual trauma or uh you're severely self-conscious or you haven't found a suitable partner that that may lead to you being asexuality which is different than uh orientation which would imply that like any other orientation, you're kind of born with it, right? Mm-hmm. So like who's right here? It's really – this is not an easy thing to uh, to unpack, unfortunately. So um, – but I want to I clarify. It's not the same as celibacy, okay, uh, it, which again is – a choice. This is really about they just don't want to have sex with anybody. This is very intrinsic to these to, to people like this. Um, you know, it, it if people are have experienced sexual attraction or desire to have sex with other people and they somehow lose that desire, you don't label those people asexual. So there's a difference between asexual right. meaning I'm not having sex or I'm not being sexual or I'm not a sexual person right now. Versus, I have no sexual attraction to anybody, mm-hmm. and I never and I never have, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's important that we kind of make um, that distinction. But also, there's really quite a diversity in how people define their own asexuality. So uh, there's two websites that I find really, really um, helpful in this. So if you think or you're identifying as an asexual or you think this might be it, check out asexuality.org. And there's another uh, organization called AVEN, which is uh, Asexual Visibility and Education Network. So it goes to show you how much, like, education needs to happen about this, you know. Um, another question people have is, well, what about relationships? Do ase- are, are asexuals just, you know have no relationships at all or never get married or never a couple up or anything like that. So, uh, no, like, you know, some do prefer to be alone. Others prefer to have, uh, friendships, even, uh, some form of intimate and a romantic relationship they look for without the sex. Okay. So, Asexuals sometimes date other asexuals, and then it becomes uh, kind of an, a non-issue. And sometimes asexuals will date people who are sexuals, but they remain open to the other person's need, which means that sometimes asexuals will have sex, but it's not for them. It's for the other person. 
and they don't get much out of it themselves, but they engage in sexuality for uh, for their partner. So what asexuals are looking for in a relationship are the exact same things we're all looking for, except for the sex. That That's the... That's the thing. Uh, when it comes to arousal, like arousal can happen because mm-hmm. you know some do masturbate and uh, some experience a little bit of arousal, some experience no arousal. Some of them have no arousal at all, but it's they just don't they're not driven by any need for sex or even care much about sex. So it isn't really and it's not a problem. Here's where it's not a problem to them. And you and I, and people maybe may think, wow, that's kind of weird. Like, shouldn't they be sexual? Or isn't it, doesn't that, isn't that a dysfunction if they're not sexual? The answer is no, because they're not distressed by it. A person who's distressed by it, then it becomes an issue and then it becomes something to explore uh, in therapy. But if they are absolutely not distressed by their lack of arousal, attraction, desire, whatever it is, then it isn't an issue that needs to be corrected or, or, or fixed in any way, which is confusing, Im- right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm, 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 in my mind, I'm trying to put myself in the sort of shoes of someone that feels this way uh, because I don't feel that way. And I, I would think for me, and again, maybe others wouldn't feel this way, but for me, I think the challenge would be knowing how I feel and knowing maybe my my lack of interest or my lack of desire or my comfort in not having to need that in my life. Like, I don't drink a lot of alcohol, and I'm comfortable in knowing that I don't drink a lot of alcohol. It doesn't bother right. me. Right, um, right, right, right. But that doesn't stop me from finding a woman that drinks a lot of alcohol because that won't really change our relationship very much. Like, I can still go to a bar, and we still go for dinner. Um, I, I think if I was feeling this way, I think there would be an added pressure of trying to find that person that you love and you're attracted to and, you know, they bring all these great things in your world, knowing that they might not feel that same way and how do you, how do you cope with that? And I'm sure there's a gazillion ways. Um, But is it, again, this point in history where there probably is a website where, you know, like farmers dating farmers or Jewish people. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. There's probably a, a space for them finally to go to say, hey, I can go find somebody that feels the same way I do. And, and that would, yes, and that would be your best bet so that you don't have to, uh, it's like you take that, that negotiation out of it, right? So yeah. It's like we're both asexuals, but we both want romance or we yeah. both want intimacy. We both want other things that a relationship offers. We're both just not all that interested in in sex. So, which is why, yes, many do uh, get get married and they just don't have sex. But, but this is where it becomes interesting because there are a lot of couples who are sexual who don't have sex. So it's yeah. like, you know, but, but that doesn't mean, but that doesn't mean they're asexual. So I think that's really important. And a lot of people assume, and here's where we have to demystify a little bit because most of us assume that there's a connection between sex and happiness, right? That, that the more sex we have, the happier, we are, right. but yes. but that that actually isn't the case. There was a, a study from the University of Chicago that suggested that as many as forty percent of people who did not have sex in the past year still considered to themselves to be very happy. So Ooh. it you know it's like that relationship between <laughs> sex and life satisfaction isn't actually all that 
strong and people can have very enriching, rich, satisfying lives even without the sex. This reminds me of that age-old lying, you know, money can't buy happiness. And I think that's true. I think a lot of people have lived life not being a gazillionaire or being part of the 1%, but have a great family and are part of the community and, you know, do all the things with their life. Um, but I always think of that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the meme on the Internet where it's, it, it says money can't buy happiness. Uh, but the guy on the jet ski is always smiling. And I, I feel that sex is the same way. It's like, yeah, I can live life without sex, but you know what? If I had more of it, I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. Um, but, but it's interesting because we're talking like this, and then I'm, you know, I'm looking at some of the work by uh, one of my colleagues, Lori Brado, who says some asexuals do have sex. Uh, she says it's important to keep in mind that asexual people may not be in relationships that are entirely sexless, although they may not enjoy it or have any interest in it, they may still engage in sex to please their partners if their partners happen to be sexual. One thing that's intriguing is that many asexuals engage in sexual behavior. They masturbate or engage in sex, but they don't feel driven to this behavior by the heat of passion. So masturbating right. may be a way of releasing tension, getting to sleep or, or pleasing their uh, their partner. So uh, I think I like this line, the freedom to say, no, thanks. I'd rather eat chocolate and feel just fine uh, is is here. That freedom is here and not considered all that weird anymore. I feel I could argue this point both ways, which is if you're in a relationship with someone who is asexual, um, you could make an argument that that's better for the relationship because... It takes, you know, we know that all the things, that, the reasons people divorce, sex is always on that list. And if as a couple, that's just not something you're interested in, it, it might make your relationship more fulfilling. But I wonder about that partner that's asexual, that's making that decision to do something for their partner. There's a part of me that says, wow, that's, that's a really sweet and loving thing to sort of yeah. take one for the team, right? To say, look, yeah. this isn't my thing, but I know it's your thing. So I'll do it because I love you. And it's something I would do for you because we're best friends. And that's really, really romantic and loving. But there's also a part of me that kind of goes, wow, it just it, it, it's it, it must be tiring to say I always have to do this thing for my friend, my my husband, because this is what he wants. Um, uh, like, it, you know what I mean? It, like, it, you can yes, kind of go but both it, ways. Yes, but it depends on the approach, right? So if, like, this is what I have found. In in a lot of relationships, the partner who has less sexual desire, this is in not asexual couples, but where one partner has less sexual desire uh, and just takes one for the team and just does it kind of a chore-like, uh, the other partner isn't happy with that because for them, their enjoyment comes from pleasuring their partner and their partner's right. enjoyment of sex. So you need to have two things going on. You need to have the partner that says, I'm going to do it because I love you and this is what you need. I don't need it at all. I, you know, For me, it's like brushing my teeth. I could take it or leave it. I really don't care. And the other partner who says, okay, I'll take it, and I'm going to put aside my own, like, it's okay that you don't, you know, that you don't want to, like, that, that you're not interested, that you don't get any pleasure. 
Like that's kind of difficult. Like if you think about it, right? Because yeah. you, you have two people, one who, like you're saying, might feel like, oh my God, here I go. I have to do this chore. And the other one who's thinking, I feel like I'm freaking sexually assaulting my partner because, she, you know, they're not really into it and I'm doing it anyway, except that there's consent there. That's yeah. the, that, that's a difference. So there has to be a, like a real great communication between these two people to be able to get past these well, types of feelings. Yeah, because it's sort of multi-level there because, one, the partner that is sort of getting the the sexual event because the other person's like, yeah, I know you want it, so let's do it. They have to understand and be able to communicate their appreciation for that, right? Like that, hey, look, yeah. I know you're, you're kind of taking one here for me, and I just want you to know I really appreciate it. But the, the other side of it, too, is, because um, and I think you mentioned this, is, and I probably think it would be, well, maybe, I, maybe I'm projecting that it would be more men because I'm a man. Uh, but I would think one partner might find themselves saying, wait a minute, I, I'm a catch. Like, why am I jumping through hoops? And like, like literally, like, uh, I'm in good shape. I'm a good looking person. I'm healthy. I'm funny. Uh, I have a job. Like, uh, I, I'm a catch. Like, I don't know if I want to work this hard. Like, I can, so I can see how resentment might build up, not even intentionally, just over time. Absolutely, which is why you really, which is why it makes sense, right? If you know and you identify as asexual, you need to be straight up right from the get-go. Yeah. And and say that, you know, so that the expectations are uh, uh, realistic at that point, right? Not try to sell somebody on or pretending that you're, you know, you're into it and then divulging that, oh, by the way, I really have no interest. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, absolutely. It can cause a lot of things. And some people, like, people ask, what's the number? You know, how many people are actually asexual? So I looked into the research a little bit. And there's been a lot of research back, way back since Kinsey in the 1940s and, and 50s when they actually identified, uh, you know, people who um, – who actually said they do not respond erotically to either heterosexual or homosexual stimuli. So, and they found um, anywhere between one and 6% of the, of the population. So they found in the male adult male population was one and a half percent, which, you know, is millions of people, millions of people in the world population. If you think about it, right. Even 1% millions of people. If someone is listening to this conversation, Dr. Laurie, and they're like, hey, you're kind of describing me or you're describing a family member or someone I love, what would be your advice for them to take as a next step? Like, where, where do you go uh, to find more help or information or get yourself to that level of comfort of knowing who you are and how to just deal with it in day-to-day life? Well, I think because this is such a, a kind of a complicated, complex uh thing to 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 unpack i think it's important to visit uh websites and forums where you can talk to other people because there's such variations in like the sexual inclinations of people who even identify as a asexual that it gets to be really really confusing so there are two sites one is asexuality.org and one is aven a v e n the asexual visibility and education 
network, which a lot of great information, updated forums, things that, you know, all the, the questions that you have, there's a tons of Q and a, and because people have a lot of questions. So, uh, very important to kind of do your research, like get out there and, and look at this, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's like one of those topics that if you start peeling back the, the onion, so to speak, you'll learn more and more. And the more you learn, the better you are ready to go face the day. Always. I think uh, education is certainly, uh, knowledge is certainly power. The headlines to headboards. This is Sex in the News. Our crazy sex story involves a woman who was kind enough to arrange a threesome for her husband's birthday. I wonder how that went. We'll find out. And keep in mind, it is our crazy sex story. Uh, in the headlines, Dr. Lori, why is it hard... For men to say no to sex, why is it so? It's because it's so darn great. <laughs> Except that here's where we have to demystify something else. So this is an article that was written in Psychology Today by uh, another colleague of mine from uh, I forget which university, but somewhere uh, in at the Atlantic provinces, uh, Lucia O'Sullivan, Dr. Lucia O'Sullivan, uh, who writes about this, and she says sometimes men don't want sex, yet the pressure on men to always want sex or to accept or pursue any sexual opportunity that arises means that they often feel as if they can't say no thanks maybe another time Mm. so it is difficult for men to say no even to casual or to established sexual partners so in relationships saying no to a partner can be difficult because uh, you know you can kind of feel obligated to always respond sexually to a partner's advance, uh, given a history of, of having done so before, and you're worried about maybe hurting your partner's feelings or causing tension and strain in a relationship. But uh, she talks about th- this pressure. Where does this pressure come from? Obviously, it comes from our standard heterosexual script. Our, we are socialized we to believe that men should be ready, willing, able anytime, right? And that and women are portrayed as the the more reluctant, the gatekeepers of sex. Uh, so yeah, and they're the ones who kind of control men's sexual access and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, this is a traditional script that has persisted across time, cultures and generations. And she gives a a little bit of research. Um, She says, men report faking interest in sex, initiating sex they don't want, and agreeing to sex with a partner despite not wanting it. Research also shows that men often report disliking the pressure to always be the initiator of sex in their relationships. Research shows that both men and women are more likely to perceive men's no to be fake. In other words, that no actually means yes, not so. Many people believe that men cannot be forced to have sex like, like, you know, with women, but that's also not true. Men are more likely to decide to not report an incident when they have been sexually harassed compared to women. Again, that's a societal thing, right? Uh, And men who report being pressured or forced to have sex by women are rated as less credible and less deserving of sympathy than women who report such experiences by men. So 
why do men not want sex? Probably for the same reasons women may not uh, want sex. I mean, you know, <laughs> this can be related to stress, depression, anxiety, uh, uh, use of uh, medication to treat any of these things, all of these things. And there are some people that just reject this hyper-masculine uh, norm that they have to always want and, and express high desire. So it's not like across the board. We cannot generalize that all men, you know, want sex all the time. All men never say no uh, to sex, etc. So there are so many reasons why uh, men may not be into sex at any particular time in their life, but the pressure to always be on, the pressure to engage, even if they don't want to, becomes a stress in and of itself. Um, and then they, you know, you might end up, they might end up faking, maybe faking orgasm, <laughs> etc. So, like, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's not, nobody has to have sex, Uh Sex, you can actually live without sex. Nobody has ever died from lack of sex. Yeah, believe it or not, nobody has ever died. Um, (laughs) And, you know, if you're going through a bout of something that affects your desire, like address it, yes, and look at it. uh, And and it it can be a problem, but it's not always uh, a dysfunction, let's just say. Also in the headlines, I don't know. I don't know where the world's going. <laughs> the false promise of artificial hymens. Yeah. What? You, I, I know. That's exactly it. What? So the actual title of this article is Recreational Virginity. That's another thing. Recreational Virginity. And, <laughs> and the false promise of artificial hymens. This was in the, in the online magazine Wired. And it goes, what happens when an unstoppable social construct, again, like, like males and sex, collides with an immovable patriarchal myth. So it starts with, imagine this, paying for recreational hymen surgery or even artificial hymens to gift partners with the virgin experience. The commercialization of the hymen is a troubling example of outdated ideas meeting business interests. Somebody's making money off of this, selling this idea that a virginal experience is what you should be looking for. So go ahead, get a fake hymen, get surgery so that, you know, you can have this. This is uh, nuts. And there's an obsession with this uh, little bit of uh, tissue, as this article uh, says, which, by the way, has no real biological uh, function. And actually, the myth it's a myth that it is an indicator of virginity or not, because uh, we've talked about this uh, right. before. It does not reveal whether someone is a virgin or not. Yet, you've got an entire market that uh, has uh, uh, grown out of this to monitor, repair, and replicate it. So, you know, you have people in certain cultures that are. Uh, checking uh, to make sure there's blood on the sheets that you're a virgin so that you, you know, you know what I mean? And then, so you have a market for those people who actually go and um, get these um, hymen restorations uh, so that they can pretend to be virgins. Remember, they're pretending, their partners think they're virgins so that there will be some level of blood so that they, 
they can prove that they are, um, you know, somehow uh, still a virgin. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, this whole thing is 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 really uh, nuts, and people are capitalizing on this. I I you know. People will make money until all kinds of stuff. There's more. Like the the surgery to repair the hymen has been around for a while, okay? Like I've known about this for for quite some time. I've known about it from gynecologist friends of mine um, who who perform these surgeries uh, called hymenoplasties, uh, all of that for for quite a long time. Um, And then there's like other things that have come up now, like these artificial hymens, also known as disposable Hymens, like that's crazy. You know, these are uh, uh, products that promise to give you your virginity back in five minutes without surgery. Uh, I'm not sure how they, you know, what you do with these things, but they usually contain, listen to this, fake blood that's contained, it concealed within a capsule in this dissolvable uh, membrane, basically. So, it's like a you know. It's like I'm putting this up there. I'm gonna with this little bit of fake blood in there, so that when we have sex, I'm gonna tell you I'm a virgin. When we have sex, you're gonna see the blood. You're gonna be ah, you are a virgin. It's ridiculous. I don't want to do it right now because I feel we'll get down a crazy rabbit hole. But at some point, we should make a note to discuss the concept of recreational virginity. <laughs> at some point in the like, those two words just shouldn't go together. I don't think. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? I know it's it's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, absolutely well, that, nuts. That might be the perfect segue to our crazy sex story. And you know, it's the, it's the thought that counts, Doctor Lori. Let's not forget, <laughs> it's always the thought that counts. A woman arranged a threesome for her husband's birthday. She was surprised to find out she was in fact a lesbian. Yeah, uh, clearly they got surprised. Uh, di- they got divorced after that. But so this mother of two from Oregon thought it would be an exciting surprise for her husband if she decided to spice things up and invite another person into the mix. She's 36 years old. She said she had always felt somewhat unhappy in her marriage, but could never really figure out why. The birthday present meant for her husband, however, turned into quite the treat for herself, making her realize that she is, in fact, a lesbian. She says, I was like, oh my God, this is what's been missing. This is why I've been so unhappy in my marriage. My relationship with my husband emotionally felt so shallow and lonely compared to my connection with the woman. Being raised in a religious household, she was always taught all gays go to hell. She had repressed her feelings and did not realize them until she was faced with them up close. Uh, Her husband did not take the news very well. Uh, She revealed that he got really (laughs) nasty and outed her to her parents, her Bible study group, and their mutual friends. The mutual friends did not take the news well, leading her to a dark path where she even contemplated suicide. Meeting this woman, Jackie, however, changed things and she credited her with saving her life. The couple has been together for a year and are jointly raising this woman's two sons who are six and eight years old. She now, unfortunately, doesn't speak to her parents, now identifies as an atheist, and she has a TikTok following uh, with over 100,000 followers where she talks and speaks about her struggles. And finally, she says, it feels so free to finally live authentically it's so weird to me that um i don't know i I again i'm an outside observer on this but i find it weird that people would be upset that she's a lesbian 
but not upset that she was, you know, setting up a three-way. Like, I'm just like, hey, like, if you're, if you're really, really... Um, Reli- religious. Religious. <laughs> you know, that's okay. But I, it's weird that you're picking and choosing. Uh, yeah. Also, like, I, I don't condone what her husband did. I don't think you should ever out someone or anything. But, look, when your wife gets you a present for your birthday that turns out not to be for you, I, I can understand being a little bit frustrated with that information. Well, she, she did, it, was, it was inadvertent. Like, she didn't, yeah. like, you know, it wasn't like she had this idea in the back of her head. But anyway. Yeah. Listen. I guess it's, it's, it's funny how, like, um, it, it, it's funny that she would randomly pick someone for a threesome and that's the person she falls in love with. Yeah, well, that's what happens. It, it, All it, right. Uh, there should be a movie. Yeah, clearly. Anyway, I, I'd like uh, to invite our followers or our listeners to follow us on Instagram because yes. we have a new page for the show. It's called yes. uh, the the uh, it's at Passion with Dr. Lori. Of course, John Paul, you're you're in there somewhere, but we had to shorten. That's it. fine. Uh, yeah, I figured. <laughs> So please follow us at Passion with Dr. Lori, and you can send us your questions even through Instagram as well. Um, I'd like to thank uh, uh, Essence 360. They just released our sensual uh, oil. Yes, go check it out. It's called Sensual by Dr. Lori, so check it out at uh, Essence 360 Aromatherapy. And thank you to Stephen Voice. We always enjoy your music on our program, and we feel very privileged to be able to play all original music, which I know a lot mm-hmm. of people don't, don't get to do. We get to do that. So, And thank you, John. All right. On the next edition of Passion, we'll discover the pleasure and sex positivity uh, on our next edition, which will be next Tuesday. So make sure you like and share and comment on our our podcast. Get the algorithm sharing us with other people. And of course, uh, we just want to continue to build the uh, passion community. Dr. Lori, we'll chat next week. We shall. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul. To submit questions, business inquiries, or just to connect, visit drlori.com. Thank you for supporting passion. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.